0: Welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where my guests and I share tips and tricks to help inspire you to build a great personal brand to increase your visibility and authority. I am your host, Claire Bond, and on today's episode, I am very excited to be joined by Sam Cabert. Sam is a successful serial entrepreneur t- turned spiritual seeker. Despite all of Sam's ventures and business success and being recognized as one of Silicon Valley's 40 Under 40 at just at the age of 31, he soon recognized that something was missing. Um, Sam realized that despite his success, he was unhappy. The understanding catapulted him to his most recent exploration of his life's purpose. And his mission is to bridge the gap between the way we conduct ourselves in business, mindful practices, and how we communicate with everyone, especially oneself, all through prioritizing psychological safety and mental health Thank you so much for being here, Sam. And your dog says hi, too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Perfect timing. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you.
0: Yeah. So was there like a turning point? Was there something that like really kind of happened? What happened that was like, I have to change what I'm doing or this, you know, what was that thing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, you know, and there oftentimes is that one thing. And for me, it was really a culmination of those things. It was Mm -hmm. chasing success. And at the time, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was on a hamster wheel that was just really chasing that fleeting moment, that feeling of the dopamine that gets released when you achieve goals. And I was a goal setting junkie so much that Mm -hmm. I wrote my second book called The Written Goal. It was about setting goals, right? So I Mm -hmm. ended up writing three books in a year. I had multiple podcasts on multiple nonprofits, all these different things, built a million dollar company while working less than four hours a day, had work-life balance, I had everything. And I just felt empty within. So what I do, I was seeking external validation, but I didn't really understand it at that time. And Mm -hmm. the thing for me that really brought everything to the forefront was a relationship I was in, which isn't uh, far from the case, right? Many people experience that. And it was a toxic relationship off and on one of those. And that final time we were off, it was kind of like starting to sit in that discomfort. And, I knew it wasn't so much the relationship. There was something more. And I could go into the whole story here, but that's really the thing that kind of sent me into that numbing depression. And from there, Mm. I just started the act of surrender and being able to tap into my intuition. A plant medicine known as ayahuasca found me. I sat with this plant medicine uh, for ceremonial healing. And after that, just like... the epitome of a spiritual awakening experience. And I was like, show me everything. I just did a deep dive of spirituality and I've been on the path ever since.
0: That's amazing. You kind of mentioned, um, work-life balance, but I know that one of your kind of things that you talk about is feeding your soul, um, and you, the relationship between life and work. So what is your feeling about, you know, work-life balance? Um, I'd love to learn your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ever since high school, I remember hearing about work-life balance and I just thinking to myself, I want that, you know, I want to be able to live my life. I don't want a desk job, right? So Mm -hmm. I ended up becoming an entrepreneur while I was still in college. And here I am 11 years later operating the same business. It's been rebranded to Swagworks. And like I mentioned, like, I had work-life balance. you know. I read uh, Tim Ferriss' book, Think and Grow Rich, back in 2013, and I never got to the four-hour work week, but I got to the four-hour work day, right? And in truth, I was really working like two or three hours a day, not that hard, and doing the things that I wanted to do. Living in Campbell, you're very familiar with that time. Mm-hmm. I believe that's where you grew up. And I lived in Silicon Valley in this town, Campbell, pretty much in the heart of Silicon Valley, and really the peak of my my career, I would say. And I had all this freedom to do the things I wanted to do, and I achieved work-life balance, but it wasn't enough, right? So after sitting with the medicine ayahuasca that I mentioned previously, this whole concept of spirituality and connecting with my soul, that was something that I was missing. And what came through was the message of Soul Life Balance, which is a reframe of Work-Life Balance where we realize that we're going to put ourself first and foremost, always, while simultaneously reframing work as part of the human experience. Now, taking it a step further, we can look at the archetypal energies of yin and yang or yang. And many people these days are talking about the archetypal energies of the feminine and the masculine. And not to get too deep in that, but if you're not familiar with these terms, when I say archetypal energies of feminine and masculine, I'm not talking about like genitalia. What I'm talking about is we all have these different Uh, archetypes within us and it's so much easier to understand yin and yang because many of us have seen the yin and yang and we understand the opposing sides right so to break that down the yang or yang is about doing it's about structure obligations and how we show up in the world we can think about as our responsibilities whereas the yin is about softening. It's about receptivity. It's about being connection connected with your intuition and really your soul. So if we look at work-life balance, we can so clearly see that work is equated to the yang energy, right? We have projects, we have tasks, we have deadlines, we have meetings, all these types of things that require how we show up in the world. And In our life, it's no different because most of our waking hours are spent working. And when we're not working, we have to maybe pay the bills, maybe take care of our pets or our kids. And hopefully we're doing something for ourselves like going to the gym, but still most of these things are about structure. So if we look at work-life balance, we can so simply see that we're being misguided here to be out of balance in that archetypal energy of yang or masculine, which is really the human doing, which we all know we're human beings. So what's the answer? That's where I believe to bring in more yin or archetypal energy of the feminine and reconnect with our souls. So that is what soul life balance is about. And really the easiest way to implement soul life balance is really thinking about what do I need today? Yes, I could say, how can I feed my soul today? But sometimes you know, the the language might not really resonate. So it could be as simple as what do I need today? What's going to make me feel fulfilled, joyful, whatever it is, because oftentimes we forget about ourselves. So at the core of this message, it's really about connection with oneself and really checking in versus getting lost in the to-dos and just the chaos of most of us experiencing the chaos of Western society.
0: That is a very interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't really thought about how kind of work-life balance um, kind of met that masculine energy in a lot of ways versus the feminine energy. And I I think it is interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I've had moments in my life where I'm like, I need to prioritize myself. I need to do these things for myself. Um, Even my husband pushes me. He's like, you just work all the time. So I completely, um, I completely get it. And yeah, I haven't really thought about like kind of like what fed my soul, but yeah, it's it is so important um to really find those find those things and take care of yourself. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about like whether it, I think when you feed your soul it does reduce your stress level, right? I mean, your your stress level goes down, everything cortisol all that like you're just healthier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a ton of different practices that I teach when I speak to uh, at conferences and different groups or lead workshops, but whether it's meditation, grounding, yoga, breath work, uh, journaling, any of these things. And one of the more simple practices to release stress is actually connecting with people in their eyes. And I mean, not Mm. like looking at their chin or their forehead or their nose, but really looking into someone's eyes. And what happens is it releases oxytocin within the body. And what that does is it helps you to feel more connected with others as well Mm. as reduce stress. And I mean, right now, we all know that because of 2020 and everything else, right? There's more mental health crisis than ever before. In fact, two months ago, the, uh, there's a new hotline that was made, the number's 988. If you dial or text these numbers, it will redirect you to a suicide hotline. So if that doesn't show like the mental health crisis we're facing now, then the other stat I'll throw out is that research, online research to improve one's own mental health and well being has gone up by 500% in the past few Mm. years. So we can really start to see how important it is to find these ways to connect with oneself. I absolutely, agree with what you're saying. And it does release stress, reduce stress and everything else.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you know, obviously I do personal branding and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like, Oh, it's so much fun, but it can do a doozy on your on your mental health. If you really think about, I know for me in 2020, I had to do a detox from social media because I just couldn't stand this, you know, the world had, craziness in it and there was a lot of craziness on social media there was also this kind of like you know but uh you know just this fakeness about it everything is perfect everything is wonderful and you're like it's not wonderful what do you i mean how are you with your your personal brand are you on social media a lot do you you do it to a point what how do you feel about that
1: I just lead by my truth, you know, like there's so Mm -hmm. many different narratives to go out there and there's so many different paths to success as it relates to social media or personal brand or whatever else. And I've tried all the different things, right? Like I really got into personal branding through content creation back in 2016. And that's when I started blogging weekly and I'm in the promotional products industry, right? So swag industry. And I would blog weekly about different things about swag for sure. And at a conference a few years before that, maybe 2012 or something, I was at the National Office Supply Convention because my parents have an office supply business. And at the time, I was doing some sales for them in conjunction with my swag business because they're kind of complementary. And I went to this conference And I was networking with other peers and it was like a young professionals group within the office supply industry. And they were talking about all kinds of different things, right? Like some of them were really niche into furniture. Other ones were doing like print technology and all this different stuff. Other people are Jansan, like janitorial supplies. And other people were like daily office supplies that you would sell and buy, right? And my thing was swag was promotional products. So I couldn't really relate to them. And I was telling them about swag and they're picking my brain on that. And one of this girl jokingly uh, called me Swag Sam. So I would joke with my friends at that time that, you know, I was Swag Sam. And that was like 2012, 2013. I launched my business in 2011. So it was pretty early on. And then when I got into content creation in 2016, I started to like intentionally build out this Swag Sam brand. 2017, January 17th, 2017, launched the first podcast and turned into a media network. And from that media network, we had five different podcasts on on the show or on the network. I ran one with a co-host, the original, and then I also had Mojo Mondays with Swag Sam. From there, I wrote the three three books in less than a year. The series were called Success with Swagger all will buy swag, Sam. So I had, you know, a podcast, I had this, I had that. And then, you know, I, I still have, we don't do it as much, but a food show on YouTube called Eat Up California now. It used to be Eat Up Silicon Valley. I had a swag unboxing show with Swag Sam. So I did all these different things to build up the Swag Sam brand. I also love kombucha. I've been drinking kombucha since like 2013, I believe. So like before it really got trendy and popular. And Mm -hmm. I love kombucha so much that around 2017 or 18, I bought a kegerator, not for beer, but for kombucha. So I would brew my own kombucha or sometimes buy it right from wholesale, put it on the kegerator. And then since I sell swag, I would get these bottles. I forget what they're called, but they have the seal on top and I would fill them up with kombucha from not the one I made, but from GTs if I bought it wholesale. And I printed the bottles with uh, the Swag Sam logo and I forget what else it said, but instead of nutritional facts on the back, it had swag facts. So it looked like a nutritional label, so it was like a cool little fun thing to do for the Swag Sam brand, and I mean, this all cul- culminated in being named Silicon Valley's Forty Under Forty list in two thousand nineteen, and from there, being named as a rising star within the Swag industry in two thousand twenty. Now, I did ayahuasca. But it sounded the like
0: there's just so you were doing too much. I mean, I, I mean, so I'm exhausted much. by you telling, hearing It was so story. much. I it mean, was
1: confusing. The-
0: and it can, that I feel, yeah, I think, I mean, God, you're just like this and that and that. I feel like you were chasing you, just like you were saying, it sounds like you were chasing instead of kind of this, a focused, approach. Um, Yeah,
1: absolutely. I was for absolutely chasing success and I'm not alone in that. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. So many of us, whatever it is, feel like we have a chip on our shoulder and whether it's, we need to prove it to ourselves or prove it to someone else. So that was very long-winded, but to answer your question, since going down the spiritual path intentionally as of 2019, I haven't been so concerned about a personal brand you know i've slowly phased out the swag sam brand it's not with in alignment with who i am and what i'm about now right now my biggest message is soul life balance and it's a message that's bigger than myself it's not about Mm -hmm. me right it's think about simon sinek yes we equate simon sinek with start with why or knowing your why and things like that but it's bigger than him it's not about simon sinek so for me like all i really care about is that people resonate and hear the meaning behind soul life balance. Yeah, of course, selfishly ego and business wise and all that kind of good stuff. I would like them equate it with me, but where this is coming from is from my heart because, you know, I have so much, um, I have so much depression around the world uh, that we live, like in the way the mm-hmm. world operates. And I do believe that if we were to shift as something as simple as work-life balance to soul life balance, it would make a major impact within the business world. So yeah, for me, it's yeah. not about like my personal brand anymore. It's really about that message. And it doesn't need to be equated with me. It's bigger than me, you know?
0: But I actually want to say that that is your personal brand because that is actually how I believe that your personal brand should be. I always talk about, i um, done podcasts on this where I say that you, to be really good, you need to lead with altruism. If you're mm. not giving and you're not authentic and you're not true, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, right? I talk about personal branding and things like that, but I talk about... I, I'm giving information and I want people to I want to help people. That is what I enjoy doing. Um, and I also enjoy bringing stuff like this to to the you know attention of other people because a lot of us don't think about how we're actually, to how things are affecting us and and whether we're taking care of ourselves and all these little things that we can do to, like you say, feed our soul. But I do think that is your personal brand. I think they are one and the same, because if you are not true and authentic and you, it sounds like you lead with altruism. I actually say, it's interesting. Uh, my co-founder, whenever he does now and his, all of his kind of sales calls, they're not sales calls. Like we're also vetting that do I want to work with you? Mm. Do I believe that you are true and authentic and that I can get behind you? Because I if I don't like you, I don't want to sell you. <laughs> I don't wanna work right. so that is actually one of the key things that that I think really goes into a really great personal brand. Like you'd mentioned Simon Sinek and I People trust him. They know him. They know his messaging. They believe that he is trying to help. He does sell books. He does sell speaking engagements. But if you don't have that trust, if you don't have someone going like, yeah, I really love what, what Sam is about. I, I believe that he's truthful. I believe that it's not, um, you know, you're not faking it. That is what is that is your personal brand. That is what I believe.
1: Yeah, I love that, and I would defer to you because you're the personal brand expert. I'm not. I would never claim to be, so I would definitely no, defer yeah. to you. And no, if, I
0: think that, you, that if you, if that is what you are doing, yeah, that is great. I think that is that is what's going to build your personal brand. So I think it's it's great because when you were telling me how you were doing it originally, it was like doing all these things, and I have to. Oh my God, it was almost like like going like squirrel, squirrel, shiny object, shiny object you weren't able to like focus you're like no 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 so it sounds like you've finally done that that's amazing yeah
1: I, I think you know because I'm really tapped into my intuition now and I, I I hear you and I see that but all of that was the training ground right like yeah. all of that need to happen that way for yeah. everything to unfold the way it did and for it to land the way it is now you know mm-hmm.
0: I think that's for every everybody has a, a different path, a different some some sometimes for some it's rockier than others. Everyone's on their own path. And I think that every everyone has to go through their own kind of difficulties and that kind of thing and that is definitely one of the things that I've learned especially by having this podcast is that so many people bring just I don't know, just another layer of something that I find that is just interesting, whether it can help you kind of in your daily life, in your business life. Um, and I think this is something that can just really, you know, if someone's struggling with, yeah, I don't feel like there is something missing. There is too much, I'm doing too much. Um, and that, you know, you can actually get get help, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, are there any tips that you would give? Like, so... What are tips that you would do to give people that are like you know in in a business world are there any tips that you can give for like communication or dealing with with tr- like trouble at work or trouble with employees or their boss or anything like that
1: yeah mindful lead, mindful leadership is so important, and one of the easiest ways to implement becoming a mindful leader and bridging the gap between. Mindfulness and workplace culture is conducting a wiffle, And a wiffle is an acronym that stands for what I feel like expressing. So basically, this is something you could use before starting a meeting. And it kind of depends if you have like two people, five people, 10 or 20, whatever the number of people you have in the meeting, how you're going to conduct it. But what's most important is to know and understand what a safe place and a safe container is And from there, introduce it as a safe container and explain with what I feel like expressing that the idea is to take whatever's on your mind. If you're not feeling fully present, if something happened earlier in the day that is still on your mind or if there's a future pacing going on of something that's going on later that you're stressing about, Express it. You have an opportunity to actually express how you're feeling to clear it out. Because when we speak it, it clears it from the mind and it also gives others permission to be vulnerable as well. And this is something that is a simple share. It's you know 30, 60 seconds, it's not multiple minutes, it's not unpacking the layers, it's very lightweight. And as a leader, we're also going to introduce as we're not. Going to include reflections or clarifying statements. I lead men's group and men's groups and explain this a lot more and things like that. And I do workshops with businesses to unpack all of this. But the basic premise is you're setting the container for a safe space for someone to share, and mm-hmm. you're not asking anyone to share. You're inviting them to share, especially if you have like, say, 10 or more people in the meeting, because before you know it, you're just going to go around sharing and you won't have your meeting, which I don't think that would be productive from a business point of view. And this is what Soul Life Balance is about. It's about the balance, right? We don't want to be out of balance to just go straight in like robots and be like, okay, here we are, but not seeing each other, right? This is how we improve psychological safety. And the other thing that's really simple as a leader is just making eye contact with your employees and I, or your coworkers. Right. And this is what I talked about earlier where this mm-hmm. helps to feel more connected with one another. Cause most of the time we just have our head down in the office. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're just trying to do our job well. And you know, 86% of employees Feel that they des- they need to prove to their bosses that they deserve to keep their job. So we need to find ways to increase the mental well being because most people don't feel safe in the workplace.
0: Yeah, it's um it's actually funny. I have one one um employee and she rarely comes onto Zoom with uh, on camera, and I. It, it's a big, I'm like, hmm, really bothers me. So I had a little chat with her and I found out it was because she smokes and she didn't want to show that. I go, my sister-in-law smokes like a chimney. I don't care. Like it's, it's, it's a kind of a, you know, basic California to me. I just like, I don't, I, I really just really, so many things are just like, I, I could really care less. <laughs> like it's really not impacting me. If that helps you be creative, let's go, you know, not going to really pass judgment on that. And so, I think that was like one of the biggest things that kind of let her be free and be like, okay, you don't mind seeing me in this way and and kind of being vulnerable. But I'm like, no, I don't care because I wanted to see her Mm -hmm. because that to me was more important than, than anything else. Because I do think, I mean, we're all virtual and I think it's so hard. And the only way you can see people is through, through, you know, these, these mediums like this.
1: Yeah, and Zoom's been an a amazing way to, or whatever you use Google Meet, however yeah. you lead your meetings. But it's been an amazing way to increase work life balance or soul life balance, however you want to say it, right? Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it does allow us more flexibility to live our lives and not spend the majority of our lives working.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's I've been working for you know for myself for over ten years and you know, working out of my home and trying to figure out how that works, right? And how to have your own space and things like that. So the fact that everyone's doing it, I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's good and it's bad because you have distractions like Riley. <laughs> but they're sure. great too, right? Because yeah. you can, you know, it, because it, I I actually look at it and um, if you were at work, think of all the time that you, would, you weren't with Riley and you'd have to get a dog walker, you'd have to do all these things. And I've got dogs too, kids, like all these. If you're actually with them, that helps feed your soul as well.
1: Exactly. Like feeding your soul is just the easy things. A lot of times when we hear about spirituality, the word soul, mindfulness, any of this stuff, we go straight to like meditation or journaling or yoga or breath work. But it's as simple as just finding the little things, right? That's why I invite people to reframe the question to what brings me joy? Because it's a lot easier to answer that question sometimes.
0: I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So... Sometimes in the morning I am like, and, and Nicole, who's the producer on this could tell you, sometimes I get in here, my hair is wet. I'm just like, ah, you know, uh, because I got to put makeup on and do all these things. And the, my morning there's like, so I get up in the morning, I walk the dogs and my husband and I have coffee on the, on the back patio when, when this, the weather is good. Otherwise we, um, do it, um, in, in our bedroom, we have a nice little window that we can, we can sit in and. That is something we started probably a year, a year and a half ago. And it means so much to both of us. Just like we kind of like we, we look at news. I'll get on Instagram and see stupid stuff or TikTok. But it's just something that's kind of silly. But we're just there together and the dogs hang out with us. And it's just kind of this nice little morning ritual with a really good taste, of, you know, yummy coffee. And we decided to kind of flip. Okay, let's change it a little bit. Let's try to, you know, speed things up because I'm getting, I, I'm always late and all this kind of stuff. And then, that day was a horrible day. Hmm. <laughs> and I started to realize that little 45 minutes or whatever it is in the morning, that fed my soul. It fed my husband's soul. And if we didn't do it, we were completely off for the rest of the day. So you're like, I got to figure out something else because that is important.
1: That's it. Is right that there, kind of like feed it. your soul? Is that that's how we, it. you, would,
0: you would, yeah.
1: That's it. It's, I mean, it's these little things. And then I would encourage people to, add on more, as opposed to when most people get down this path, they'll want to do all the things and just mm. layer it all on. And we, you and I know, cause we're both entrepreneurs, right. And very much entrenched in the business world, maybe a bit of workaholism for you. I don't know a lot mm. of workaholism for me, as they say that your mess is your message. So go figure, <laughs> I'm talking about like working less, right. And living more. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, I I would say that most people approach mindfulness as a to do list, like, oh, did I do this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's counterintuitive because it's really tapping into what do I need now. So instead of Mm -hmm. having an agenda of like, oh, okay, let me do this, it's just coming back to yourself and being present in the moment and asking yourself, what do I need in this moment? And I teach yoga classes. I taught this morning on the beach. I subbed for a friend last minute. You know, so it kind of changed my morning routine and it was great. But every time Mm -hmm. I leave, a yoga class and i teach them usually once a week sometimes a few times more but every time i lead a class i invite them to like whatever intention you came for this practice that's great but what is your intention right now? And I bring them back to that throughout the practice Mm -hmm. because most of the time we get so uh, tunnel vision, right? And now I'm talking about myself mostly, right? Because I know it's from experience with goal setting, you know, you have that laser focus and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, we need to be adaptable. And that's where we bring the soul back in, just being present with what's going on within.
0: It was actually interesting because I, you know, I've always lived in big cities, so you have to be mindful of your surroundings to stay safe as a female so that i always do that but also i found that when you were just present you didn't have your headphones on you weren't focused on this there's just too much noise, you know too much other stuff going on but you were when you were just present birds chirping, um like just things like that you just notice things that you never would have noticed and um you know when i walk my dog i never have headphones on and i see people walking their dog and they have headphones on and i go poor dog <laughs> they don't feel loved You know, your dog, you're with your dog, love your dog, experience it with your dog. And it's just, it's so many things that you just like, uh, for instance, one of my coffee mornings with my husband and I, we, uh, a hummingbird came over. We had a hummingbird that kept coming by my husband's head and he would come by and he'd kind of sit there. We're just like, oh my God, he like loves you. So then I Googled it. No, he didn't love us. He just wanted us. To give them some food. So we put a a hummingbird feeder in there. And did you know that they're like really brutal with each other? That is a thing we did Mm -hmm. not know. They are very mean. But it's this kind of stuff where it's just so little of like, let's, yeah, like the hummingbirds go out there, see what they're doing. I don't know. I just think there's, there are these little things that people don't do. They may seem silly, but I don't meditate per se, Mm -hmm. because I sometimes I find I'm just like, ah, too, you know, too much going on. Um, but if you just are mindful, I feel like it's it connects with my soul. Just yeah. being there to s- just seeing stuff. Birds, it may sound cheesy, but people don't see stuff.
1: I I totally agree. Reconnecting with nature, right? Because we're all just one and it's one symphony. And when we're slowing down and, and being and connecting with that and looking at the hummingbird coming, coming up and, you know, I do it too. I'll I'll Google like spiritual meaning of seeing a hummingbird and not leaving me alone or whatever and checking it out. But what I really tried to do, and I'm not the best at, and I also encourage other people to do, because I know it is a challenge, but to sit with how it makes you feel when that hummingbird comes Mm -hmm. rather than. And searching Google for spiritual meaning or seeing on Google, like, oh, that hummingbird was just hungry and just want to feed you. It was like, you know, <laughs> what came up for you? And it's all these yeah. practices that you're talking about to slow down, go within, and really yeah. questioning and getting to know our inner landscape.
0: Right. Well, we we I, I, we did sit with it for a while. We were very happy, but then it kept coming up and we're just like, what if he doesn't just love us? What if he really wants something? <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah, it came yeah. up. I'm like, well, that's just,
1: spiritually bypassing. Just... So just for some of your listeners that may be like nodding their heads and really mm. into all this type of stuff, they might be familiar with spiritually spiritual bypassing. And what that is, is using your belief system as a way to justify a certain way of being, right? And a lot mm. of times people that go too far on the spiritual side start to be like oh well this was for sure that because it was a sign and you know whatever Mm. they get lost in that and i can get lost in that as well and that's where this is a balance right because you could be either too far on one side or the other so just bring your back yourself back to center realizing that it takes both the 3d physical form and the unseen world
0: yeah, because <laughs> for the longest time, my husband's like, he likes me, he's my friend, and I'm like, but what if he doesn't? He's gonna start pecking your head and be like, if you go too far to the other side. He's like, no, it's not about you, man. I need the food. That's fine. <laughs> I like the balance. No, that's good. Um, yeah, this is this has been a really fun conversation. So, like, so what if someone needs to find that balance in their life? They're like, okay, I've listened to this. I want some tips on how I can find some find a little bit more balance could you have tips three tips that you can give to the audience
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first off, like I've been saying, I would say just ask yourself, sit with it. There's a really special moment when we wake up and most of us waste that moment to just grab our phone, get lost in technology. But if you can pause when you wake up and try if you can wake up without an alarm, if you do enough, your body will start to wake up on the right time. I mean, it's nuts. I don't use an alarm anymore. And even when I need to wake up like extra early, Maybe I'll use an alarm depending on what that thing is, but the, uh, for the most part, my body ends up knowing when to wake up. So I'm able to sit there and not grab a phone or what old school alarm, whatever you use, and just sit there. And that's a perfect time to just connect with how your sleep was the night before, how you feel in that moment. Think about what you need in that moment and what you need throughout the day. So pausing when you wake up would be one tip for sure. A second tip would be to connect with your breath and a very, very, very simple way. Way to connect with your breath is through box breathing. In box breathing, you'd start with an exhale, then you'd inhale from the bottom of the belly and bring that breath all the way up to the chest. Hold it for about four seconds, release through the mouth, let it be a slow exhale for four seconds, hold the breath at the bottom. Once again, inhale for four seconds, hold at the top. So it's doing a repeating of those. And I mean, I I lead that in my yoga classes. I lead it in my keynote talks, my breakout talks, workshops. And it's amazing how just a couple minutes of connecting with your breath changes your physiological state. And the final piece I would say is go to samkabert.com slash practice. And right there, I have a free guide for you guys that's going to give you three undeniably simple tools and tactics to practice soul-life balance daily. But again, everything I said, like, you're your own best guide. And we tend to seek external resources. And what this is all about is just going back within to realizing that we know what's best with us. And we have innate wisdom of our own heart. And it's just about softening and making the time to feel the internal world.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, sometimes, um, whether it's parents or or whatever, people are kind of taught not to, to, or to doubt their intuition. They're like, um, I had a conversation with somebody and they're like, I don't know if it's me that wants to do it, or if it's like all these people that are yelling at me to do it, that makes me want to do it. So I feel like there, there is something about kind of just being able to trust yourself that a lot of people don't, um, haven't been able to do. So I think that's a very important message.
1: Amazing. Quiet that's residence. great
0: so yeah no i love it so sam this was a great conversation i feel like there's so much to just really um <laughs> to feed your soul let's just say that thank you so much for being here um and thank you for listening and watching and i will see you in the next episode bye